Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is great to see you again. I miss sitting in the front seat and watching to see what fancy shoes Rachel's got on. <laughs> Are we connected on sound to Zoom this morning, Nicole? We got me this step. Then you had to start again halfway through the last time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to be with you. However, we're reading from Ephesians, chapter 1. This Bible is as old as me, it's beginning to fall apart. Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worked all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom you also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Well, it's a pleasure to be back with you this morning. I'm beginning to feel quite at home here. Much to your regret. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the lockdown period and several years before it, church leaders have been exercising themselves about how to upgrade the church, reboot the church, rebrand the church, 
make it more appealing. In some ways, I think that's a bit unfortunate because it tends more to marketing and commercial spirit. I'd much rather prefer that they went to the Weimar way, you know, and redig the old wells. At the time when Isaac was having a bit of trouble with the Philistines, the Philistines kept plugging up the wells. <laughs> and we live in a society today that seems to keep plugging up our wells. Just uh, read in there this week, another man arrested for preaching the gospel on the street. No. Charges were later dropped. But just arrested him under this public act. You know. They're stopping their wells, closing it down, shutting out prayers in public places, cutting out the the word in the schools, changing the, the, the prayer time in Parliament to times of reflection, closing the wells. And it says that Isaac redug the wells of Jacob. And I think rather than church trying to re-modify itself, you know, it should get back to the Bible. We're not called to be novel, <laughs> we're called to be authentic. And it's the church of the Bible that we really want to proclaim to the world because the reality is you are the church. <laughs> the Christians are the church. And how we behave and how we act is the message to the church. So when we're looking at the church in the New Testament, we looked at Colossae, we looked at Philippi, we looked at Thessalonians, and this morning I want to look at Ephesians. Now the letter to Ephesians is not necessary directly to the Ephesian church. If you want to read about the Ephesian church, you can look at it in Revelations and the message of the Spirit to the church here. But the letter that we've got known as the letter of Ephesians, the epistle of Ephesians, is around the Roman letter. You might used to get annoyed with Hester with his chain letters. Please pass it on. Well, this letter was a chain letter. It was intended for the church of Laodicea, Heropolis, and the surrounding churches in Asia. Read it, pass it on, digest it. Isn't it good today? It's still, it's still in circulation. God is still circulating this world. So it's not like the other epistles in the Old Testament. It's not dealing with a specific problem. It's not greeting specific people. It's a round robin letter to all the churches. Paul's in prison at this time. And he's facing trial, the result of which could be his execution. And he's thinking of the churches. And he writes this letter, you know, which is really a constitution or a mandate or a manual for the church in every age. And there's two key words in this epistle. First one is purpose, and the other one is power. Paul's heart is concerned that the church may grasp the reason for its being. And he starts off by saying, I want to. You know, it's a wonderful book. Actually, it's, it's, it's so much in it, we'd like to read the whole chapter, but you need to do that for yourselves. I'll give you a wee hint, you know. Purpose. Whenever you come across the word in the Bible, so that, so that. That's an indication of the purpose. This happened so that. And there are eight so that's in the official. And I may know it's authentic, 
Paul says, this is all in accordance with his good will. <laughs> and they're ten in accordance with. So that's a wee, a wee job for you this afternoon. Yeah? When you finish songs of praise, get down and get your pen out and do a wee Bible study and you'll get blessed out your soul. So Paul writes and he starts, he says, first of all, he says, I want to. And he gives three things he wants to do. I want to share with you, he says, the purpose of God. Not only to share with you the purpose of God, but I want you to share in the purpose of God. And he says, the purpose of God achieved through the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, why did God send Jesus? <laughs> that he might be, behold and produce your salvation. He says, the purpose of God came, they came, first of all, you know, to save the lost, to redeem you, to reconcile you to God, and to bring you into the adoption of the saints. Whereby you can say, Abba Father. Then he goes further and he says, no, why did he do this? He says, to show forth the exceeding greatness of his grace towards you. I'm reminded of the wee story of David and Mephibosheth. That's one you can't say with nice and healthy. Mephibosheth was one of Saul's sons, Jonathan's son. And David had made a covenant with Jonathan. And Jonathan had been slain and David had come to the throne. And in those days, when you when someone when you king came to the throne, they annihilated all the rivals. So the expectation was all the sons and all the of Saul and all the potential threats to the throne would be annihilated. But David, in his heart, you know, I've made a covenant with John. I want to do him good. And he says, "Is there anybody left of Jonathan's family?" And he says, "Yeah, there's this wee fella, Mephibosheth. He's a cripple." And when the army came to, to assault him, his nurse had picked him up and ran and she fell. <laughs> and he was crippled as a child. And he says, send for, send for him. And he brings my service and he says, Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore to you <laughs> all the lands of Saul, your father. And you shall sit at my table all the days of your life. And if I was just, who am I but a dead dog that I should enjoy your goodness and kindness? And that's a picture of the grace of God to us. Who are we? <laughs> that God should extend his hand to bring us into his grace. And some says, Lord, who's man that you're mindful of? But God says that you might know the exceeding greatness of his grace towards you. Not only I says, but in the ages to come, <laughs> you will show forth my, the glory of my grace to the principalities and powers when they behold the wonder of the grace of the work in your life. That's his purpose. I want you to share in the purpose of God. Chapter 1, verse 4 says, First of all, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and obtain an inheritance. What a joy, eh? 16. That he might make one new man of the Jew and the Gentile. Paul says God's purpose was to bring the outsider in <laughs> and the insider 
together. In other words, he says, you know, God brought his salvation to the Gentiles who knew nothing of God in the past and to the Jew who all their life had known of God and bring them together and make one man the church in Jesus Christ. Reconciling them, opening up his grace and the promise to Abraham that through you all nations of earth shall be blessed. And God's calling of people that were not people from every nation under the sun, that they shall be the people of God. Secondly, he says, I want you to know the richness. I want you to know how rich you are in Christ. First of all, it says, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings. The reality is that that's your portion. That's your inheritance. I've got a weed smartphone, it's smarter than me. It does more things than I know it's possible. But I only use it for phones. And salvation's on that. We enjoy our salvation, we're sick, content, we're saved, we're going to hell. But there's far, far more to be had. God says, you have all the blessings of Christ at your disposal. First of all, you're adopted as a child. John's one friend. To many as receive him, to them he gives the power, the authority to become a child of God. <laughs> Where we're able to say, Abba, Father. My Father owns the cattle with us. He knows all my needs. He says, you who once were afar off, now he has brought near. And you're built upon the foundation of Christ and seated in heavenly places. What does that mean? Built upon the foundation of Christ is your testimony. I have discovered Jesus loves me. I have discovered why Jesus died for me. I have discovered that Jesus loves. I have now discovered the purpose of living. <laughs> it's not three square meals in the bed. It's for Jesus. That's your foundation. Your testimony. Once I was blind, now I see. In Christ, I'm a new creature. The old has passed away, and I've become a new man in Christ. What a joy, what a privilege. Thirdly, he says, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power toward you. Now, I think, I think we need to sometimes step back from our cultural understandings or denominational and traditional understandings, set aside the arguments of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the and just be open-minded and say, Lord, <laughs> open up your word to me. Now, the reality is we all know that there are Christians <laughs> who live in the mouth door and there are Christians who struggle. We all know that there's differences. We meet men of purpose, oh, I mean, when these are when they read the Acts of the Apostles and the moving of the Holy Spirit, and we say, oh, Lord, for those days. The reality is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't moved and God hasn't changed. Every one of us know in our hearts, Lord, 
There's got to be more. More power. More reality. And that, God places your hunger and desire because God needs you by your hunger. He that hungers and thirsts gets. He that desires more will get more. He that's lethargic and resting, God will let rest. So the Bible constantly calls it, and Paul says later on here, one of the things that you need to know in God's work is the fullness of God and his power in you through the gifts of the graces and the gifts he's given you that you may edify and bless one another. Why is it that some are filled with the Spirit? <laughs> well, the problem is we all say, I got the Spirit when I believed, and you did. You were born again of the Spirit. Why, why we say, Lord? The Spirit of God dwells in you. But then the Bible tells me, don't quench him, don't grieve him. So what scope do we give him in our lives? Is he Lord? <laughs> or are we Lord? When you come to that, to the apostles and the church we're growing, God confirming the word by signs following, nodding <laughs> to the church daily, that's the secret for the church today. When I got a wee bit organized and I said that I need the problem to, to structure and get some people to serve the tables, there was this lookout. Look out, seven men filled with the Holy Ghost. And that tells us there were people in the church filled with the Holy Ghost and people not so filled with the Holy Ghost. That's some quality. Look out, men filled with the Holy Ghost. Through the, the acts of the apostles and the epistles, they operated in the fullness of the Spirit. Not just the apostles. Stephen performed miracles, Barnabas performed miracles, Philip performed miracles. God is no respecter of persons. I want you to know, says Paul, the seeing of his greatness of his power that is working you towards you. Listen. To verse 10. That we might walk in the works of his the work he had created for us. That we might know the greatness of his power to us who believe, the same mighty power by which he raised Christ from the dead, by which power working in us, he is able to do exceedingly more than we ask or think. That is the same power that was at work throughout the Acts and the New Testament power, the Holy Spirit and the believer. We do hunger and thirst for the rain. Let's not settle for mediocre. Let's not settle for just being nice people. Our commission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, that's the demons. There's a program that will bring people to the church. God is in the midst. God is at work.
Jesus promised the power. He says to himself, don't try to work without it. Wait for it. So Paul says that. And why did Paul share these three things with us? The purpose of glory, the richness of our blessing in Christ, and this power. Well, here there's five so that's in the Bible. One, so that you could benefit. But not just to be professors, but to be possessors of the truth. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We need to learn to claim the promise and walk in the promise and see the promise fulfilled. That you may benefit. You have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That doesn't mean we're sitting in heaven with Jesus. That means that we are seated, recognized, and have authority in the spiritual realm of principalities and powers who we wrestle with. We are adopted with children, as his children. We're built upon Christ, and we're sealed with the spirit of promise. Secondly, so that you might know the mystery of his will. We struggle with it. I want to know the will of God. I want to know the will of God. I want to say this. Your salvation, first of all, is the will of God. And how you walk is the will of God. And he's willing to teach you and show you. Thirdly, that so that we would walk in the new life. Putting off the old one. Fourthly, so that you might comprehend his love and be filled with the fullness of God. Now I've often prayed for the people who said, you know, I can believe in healing for other people. But for me it's different. And we walk into that sense of I'm different. <laughs> I'm not special enough. I'm not accepted enough. I'm not wonderful enough. I'm not unique enough. We don't comprehend the love of Jesus for us. But you might comprehend his love for you. Get it in your head. Jesus loved you while you were yet in your sin. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when you were rich. <laughs> And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or love you less. It's just a fact he loves you. Oh, incomprehensible. What manner of one is that you should love me? Well, just be blessed by it. And know that your name is written in the Lamb's of Christ. And his friend also that was so that we might be a worthy bride. It's a glorious church Jesus come for. It's not a wee ghetto. We might be the bride of Christ. He that begun a good work in you will finish it. And thirdly, Paul tells us that all this is in accordance with the will of God. And when we look through your Bible, 10 times it says, according as he has chosen you in Christ. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. 
Jésus, and I came after you, convicted you, sought you, brought you, and saved you. According to the purpose of him who was all things after the pleasure of his will. God has ordained for us to do good works which he has ordained according to his will. You're saved according to his will. You're in the church by his will. You're gifted by his will. God chose by through the grace of the gifts given to the body to edify the body. You have a gift that edifies the body. You have a gift that contributes to the body. Don't stifle it. Paul says to me, stir up the gift of thing. It makes us a healthy church. Then he says, according again to the working of his mighty power. Not by might, not by, but by your spirit, Lord. It's the spirit, it's the word and the spirit that builds the church. That's what says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And finally, we get to where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> Bring us right back to where we started, which is the state of the church in chapters 4 and 5. And Paul really is saying the state of the Christian, the same, is the state of the church. If we want an evangelistic church, we need to be evangelistic. <laughs> if we want a spiritual church, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We want a church of the world, we need to be in the world. We want a church that worships, we need to be worshippers. So the saints of the church. In chapter 4 it says, therefore it says, put off the old man. And I need to be a bit for you. Chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of the mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you, have not so learned Christ. We need to become believing believers. We need to start believing the truth we preach and demonstrate it. Put off the old ways. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you need to empty some things out. Jesus told a parable, the man who left me spirit and his face was clean and in order. And the spirit says, I'll go back. They brought seven other spirits and filled it. Why? Because the house was made of tea. What you fill in your life. And invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill every room in our lives. There's a room. There's a room for God to speak to you. 
Are you going to bed at night with a list still of his program? Are you caught up with the politics or the things of the world? Being squeezed into the world's mold? Are you refusing to be like others? You see, the problem of being a Christian is it makes you different. The problem of being a Christian is you are contrary to the world. You become an alien. <laughs> a wee green man to them. And that takes us. It can offend with dignity because you want to be accepted. You want to be like everybody else. But we're not like everybody else. We're in this world, but not of it. We're born again of the Spirit of God. We're transformed and being remade in the image of Christ. Turn off the old. Make way for the new. Paul says you used to yield to the pleasures of sin. You know, and you know how to do that. If you wanted a good time, you know what you do, you go for it. Paul says, as you yielded your members, your body, your mind, to sin, now yield them to the things of God and enjoy his fullness. In 5 and 14, I'm finishing this. Is, Wherefore, he said, awake, you that sleepest, rise from the dead, Christ shall give you light. Does your Christianity become a wee slumber? A settle? The same old, same old? Will this year just be the same as last year? Or will you go from one degree to another degree of the glory of Christ? Will you move from little faith to great faith? Will you move from a babe in Christ to mature in Christ. Will you move? Let's not merely believe, but walk in the power of the risen Saviour. Acknowledge your lack. Hunger for more. And let it feed you. All spiritual blessing is ours for the taking. Lord, we thank you for your bountiful mercy, for your exceeding great grace and your exceeding great power. Now we apologise, Lord, that we're such a weak witness to the world when we should be a dynamic, transforming power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, working through us. We'd ask, Lord, that you would come afresh upon your church. Quicken us, Lord, that our gifts bind us together and make us a strong force for you. Letting this community know that God is in the area. In Jesus' name we ask him.